0: Brody in the Beard is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last minute tickets. Did you know rocket ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into games. I mean, guys we're talking about an easy two-tap checkout. Like, how many apps have we been through where you have to tap several different times to get what you want? This is easy, two-taps, and it's not just sports. You can get music, concert tickets, theater tickets. It's easy to navigate. So, head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. <laughs> Modakil, this guy's amazing. Welcome to Brody and the Beard. This is our official launch. We did a soft launch podcast episode. You can go check out. But this is our official launch. We've made it. You got me, Moe Dokil, and you got my man, Kelly Eco, with more nicknames than Shaq. Kelly, how you doing? I'm
1: doing good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. We we talked about it in the the first podcast. But for those that didn't catch it, and I mind you, you should go back and listen to that. It was awesome because that's what we do. Oh, crap. I totally forgot, too. And I apologize because she's on the call. We have an amazing producer, Sasha Shaw, as well. She's going to make us sound great and do all that good stuff for us. But, Kelly... I want to get into your nicknames. If you, weren't, <laughs> if you didn't listen to the last podcast, like I said, he's got a ton of nicknames and we're going to see what happens first. Are we going to run out of Rockets games or Kelly nicknames? Uh, and we're going to get into the story of each nickname. And today we're going to go into this is kind of my favorite nickname because it sounds pretty cool. But we're going to go into the ecosystem. Kelly, give me that nickname rundown. All right. So
1: this was a couple months ago. Shout out to my man, Ali Khan on the Rockets beat, we were looking for like a cool column name, you know? And I know for a while he's been teasing me like eco-friendly, blah, blah, blah. Like the whole car, emissions, fuel, whatever. And one day I was just thinking, I heard the word ecosystem on another podcast, but it was actually in reference to an actual ecosystem, like in the earth and stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) So when I heard that, I was like, huh. My name is Eco, and that's Eco. I can just change the spelling, and boom, the ecosystem is born. And from then on, it just took off. Like it's my column name every week on the Athletic. If you can check it out. And I just like that nickname more because it's like smoother. You know what I mean? It's cool. It's like real smooth, like me, like real smooth, <laughs> real cool. It's just it's just the embodiment of who I am. The ecosystem. It's
0: perfect, man. I I saw it. When I first saw the column title and everything, I totally went like, man, this is perfect. Also, by the way, you should be subscribing to The Athletic to get the ecosystem this year. It's going to be a pretty insane season for the Rockets. And I mean, we got Kelly on the ground. We also got Ali on the ground as well. Like we're it's coverage is going to be great. Definitely recommend subscribing to The Athletic. Jump on it. There's always some sort of discount running. Get on that, people. You're gonna miss out on some great, great writing. But Kelly, we're gonna get into hoops now. The Rockets are beginning to finalize their roster. They just made uh Michael Frazier a uh a, correct me if I'm wrong, a two-way player. They just brought him on.
1: Yeah, um they waived him early in the week, I think on Thursday. I broke those news, and uh they signed him Sunday afternoon to a
0: two-way deal. Two-way deal. So he's probably going to be playing a lot more in the the G League than anything else. With the start of the season, I want to get into I want to run down the Rockets roster and I kind of want to go back and forth with you and talk about who we think rank the players in terms of importance, right? So like this player is the most important player to their System. We all know who that is. And then as we continue go down, just go through the other guys because everybody matters on a team roster. Everybody plays a role. As the season goes on, some guys are going to get hurt. Somebody else has to step up. And some guys might carry a little more importance than others because of different reasons. So I want to dive into that stuff. Kelly, let's just start off. We both, I, I mean, we agree on who the most important rocket is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Clutch. <laughs> Clutch, Clutch the, the bear. bear. Yeah, <laughs> most important rocket. No no question. Hey, he, he,
1: do, he does do a great job of keeping the arena morale up. You know, a lot of times where I sit in the arena is right by the most rabid fans, apart from, you know, the Red Rowdies. Shout out the Red Rowdies. Uh, but around the third quarter is when Clutch will do his, like, promotional giveaway stuff. Like, who wants this T-shirt and stuff? And... The fans are always screaming at the top of their lungs. It doesn't matter what kind of game is going on. It could be, you know, the a preseason game in the third quarter or something. They're going to be screaming at the top of their lungs. And he has to make sure he gives the people what they want. So he is kind of the most important rocket on the team.
0: Well, there we go, people. <laughs> Breaking news. Clutch is the most important rocket. Uh, now, in terms of players, let's get into it. I mean, James Harden is the most important guy, right? I mean, hands down. The one thing that's been really impressive is he is rolling this preseason. I mean, he's dropping 40 like it's nothing. He's just chilling. Like, I know it's preseason. Don't get all excited. Defenses aren't playing, all that stuff but we've seen him come off to a lot of slow starts. It doesn't look like that's the case this year. Like he looks like he's primed, ready to go from game 1 to get this thing rolling. I mean, and obviously for the Rockets it's a big deal cuz the whole system revolves around him being great.
1: Yeah, it's funny how every summer we do the same thing. Like you you'll see on Twitter somebody will take a picture of James Harden somewhere and it goes, "Oh, is James Harden out of shape?" And oh, you know, is he overweight? And then the preseason rolls around and he's dropping 30 points in 22 minutes and 40 points in 31 minutes. It just, he looks ready to go. And like you said, he is the end-all be-all for that system. Everything will go through him and the Rockets will go as far as James Harden goes. So, yes, he is the, the reason for the season. He is the most important player on the Rockets franchise.
0: Yeah, I mean like when you just look at his numbers, preseason averaging thirty-one points per game, forty six point four field goal percentage, thirty-nine point four from three, nine assists, six and a half rebounds. Like he's a very, very critical guy for this team. Obviously, we all and and, and listen, we get it. We're stating the obvious. Nobody needs to tweet to us like, oh duh, whatever. We know. We know. Okay. So let's get to the next guy who's obviously – and also a pretty obvious candidate for for being the second most important guy on that team is Russell Westbrook, man. What are, what are your thoughts from what you've seen in preseason right now going into this season, everything you've heard? Like what are your thoughts, expectations for Russ? And, you know, where do you see this thing going?
1: Um, so here's the thing, though. I, I kind of – me and you differ on this point. I don't think he's the second most important. Whoa! No, 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 look, look, look. To me, okay, I'm gonna explain myself. You you need to. It's not a hot take, but I, I just think that the way last season ended for Clint Capella, I think he is the second most important player on that roster from the standpoint of defense. Um, preseason, yes, it's preseason, but the Rockets' defense has not looked great. Say to put it lightly. Um, I just think if Clint Capella can be that anchor, that rim protector, that defensive presence, the rebounder that they need, able to defend in different schemes, you know, whether it's switching everything, whether it's dropping in the pick and roll, you know, if he can be that person to lean on that the Rockets have, I think it makes their season a lot more easier because then you get transition opportunities and you know what Russ. And James can do an open floor. I just think that yes, Westbrook is obviously an important player. He's probably the the top for second or third. But I just think for me personally, I think Clint Clint's progression would be more important than Russ's integration. If that makes sense.
0: That no, that makes sense. That's an interesting point. You know, the you saw it in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors when they were able to take him out of the game and really kind of neutered the Rockets with that, it it was a huge problem for them. That was such a, the, the high-low pick, and I mean, excuse me, the high pick and roll with Harden and him and him being able to, to catch lobs and being that threat was big. You know, defensively, you, you talked about the importance he has. I've just never thought of him as that guy defensively. I've just never felt his defensive presence. I've never felt like he really brings it. Not in the in the sense where it's like an intimidation factor, right? Like teams are afraid to drive on Rudy Gobert. Teams are afraid to g- drive against Joel Embiid. I don't feel like anybody's afraid to drive on Clint Capella, and I think that's the next iteration. and And if he hits that level, I think you're right. That's where he becomes extremely important. And the other thing to to help you with your point, they're thin up front, man. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, like the names afterwards, and we'll get to these guys. But Tyson Chandler, who's like a thousand and fifty. Uh, I mean, Isaiah Hartenstein. I don't even know how to really say his name. Uh, it's 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 like these are the guys you're depending on after that. I mean, they're generally going to probably go small and go with five guys, and 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 the tuck wagon at the five. But man, like he is important in that sense. I, you know, what I'm, you might have convinced me. I sort of overlooked. Capella right away, so I'm gonna give you the nod on that one. I'm I'm gonna let you roll with Clint Capella being the second most important rocket. So, because I'm not gonna put words in your mouth because I already got in trouble once for that right there.
2: This is actually an example of hello, producer Sasha here. This is an example of something that we were talking about in Lakerland too, where it's like these people who like you have your obvious guys who are like they're really important to the team, and then the people who like if they just can take that like step and become like the third best player on the team, then your ceiling is like so much higher than it was before. And I feel like Clint Capella is like that with the Rockets right now.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Kelly said it dude. Their, their defense is terrible. I don't, I just have such low expectations for their defense that I don't think there's anything fixing it.
1: And hey, um, you. I actually have Russ as the fourth, uh, most important.
0: Can that. I guess who your third is? Okay. Yeah. Who is it? Is it Eric Gordon? It is Eric Gordon. There we go. I, go for it. I'm going to, I might have <laughs> to fight you on this one. Go
1: okay. for it. Um, here's why I think Eric is the third, because, you know, Coach D'Antoni said he plans to stagger, um you know, all three of them. So he wants to have two of Russ Harden and Eric on the floor at all times. So Eric's role essentially becomes the secondary playmaker, you know, the best three-point shooter on the team um, and the jack of all trades. You, you've seen his ability to playmake. You've seen his ability to score for himself. He can also defend, you know, some different uh matchups. Donovan Mitchell says hi. Um, and I, I just think Eric's, presence on that team is going to be so important as the sixth man. If he embodies that role to perfection, I think that helps with a lot of the second unit, obviously, but it makes things easier for Russ. And and the key to bringing in a new guy is how can we make this easier? You know, we we know that Russ wants to attack the open floor. We know he's going to crash the boards. We know he's going to come at you full speed. But if he has someone like Eric Gordon who can help him space the floor, You know, take some pressure off of himself and make the defense, you know, give attention to him. I think it it eases Russ's transition with the team, which overall helps the team. And he's also able to, you know, get in the starting lineup as well. So that flexibility you have with Eric Gordon makes him really the third most important player to me on the roster. But, you know, yeah, this is.
0: I like the, uh, but you know, you know, I'm gonna let Mo tell you. <laughs> you know, I, I I I like that way of kind of just being like, hey, but yeah, 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 go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> I like I I I like that. That was that was nice. Um, this is why I disagree, though. Okay. I don't trust Russ to see it that way. You know, I trust I I expect Russ. When he's running the second, when he's in the second unit and Harden's not on the court and it's him and Gordon, he's looking at the pecking order of it's me, then it's Eric. And that's not a good thing. And everything you said makes all perfect sense and it really does matter. And if that was the way Russ was going at it, I would buy into that. And Eric Gordon is the the Swiss Army knife of that team. You know, he can do just about everything. He's a, a jack of all trades. He does everything really well. Um, but I don't buy that Russ is going to see it that way. And when he's on the court and it's just him and Russ, Russ is going to try to go do, do Russ things, which is not always a good thing. And same thing when Harden's on the court. Like I don't buy that it's going to turn into, they're going to really, utilize him as a second option when it's just the two of them on there. I feel like with both those guys, they're going to kind of get that tunnel vision of like, yo, this is, it's my time. Now Russ isn't on the court or James isn't on the court. I'm going to go now. This is my time. And I think that kind of hurts Gordon in that sense. You know, I think that almost the the problem is what they have to be careful of is kind of just not utilizing all his skills and turning him into almost a spot up shooter. I mean, we saw Harden do it with Chris Paul, you know, and you could say whatever you want about injuries and all those things and Paul's production and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they didn't really use Chris to the best of his abilities and did really use what he brings to the table to help this team. You know, they just ended up relying on Harden, and that became a, an issue down the stretch. So I think I just don't see it with that. And I think for the Rockets to get to that next level, I mean, Russ has to get you know, one, he has to find a way to just shoot better off the catch. He's got to change who he is. You know, he's got to bring that extra element. The thing he does bring that I think really matters for this team is he's going to speed up the pace. And that second unit, when it's him running it, is going to be going up and down faster and kind of get going and, and almost be a a change of pace situation. You know, it's i uh, uh, I'm going to do a football analogy here and because I don't watch a lot of football. This might suck. So everybody brace yourself. Uh, oh boy, the uh, this is this is the the when you have two different running backs, you have the running back that just can barrel right through the line, and he 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 runs it up the middle, and he's going to get you six seven yards every time. And then you have the nice flashy one who you get it to him on the outside, and he's going to make people miss and dance around a little bit. And I think that's kind of what you have with Harden and Russ. And I think that's why he's that third most important person. Mind you, I had him as high as second, so you flipped me on that you know, 10, 15 minutes ago. So I, I, I'm not there with Gordon being that much. I don't think he's going to, he's going to be important, but I don't think he's more important than Russ in that sense. Cause the most important thing is these two guys adjusting, you know, to each other and to the rest of the system for the Rockets to really take off. And that's why I think he's third. And that's why Gordon, I don't even have Gordon to be honest with you as the fourth, most important guy.
1: Uh, Who's your fourth. Is it the, the sneaker King?
0: The sneaker king. I like referring to him as the tuck wagon because let's just be honest, that's a big ass, and that thing is perfectly described as the tuck Sasha. wagon. Sasha. I mean, well, you should think. I mean, listen, we're not. I'm, not, I'm just being honest here, guys. I'm not I mean, saying anything
1: else. It's that, just that, that is that is that is true. That is an astute astute statement, an I astute mean, statement.
0: <laughs> it's it's huge and it works with the nickname i am sorry guys if if this offends anybody i uh i'm probably gonna end up pissing people off all throughout this year with the podcast but uh i think he matters in the sense of what he brings defensively you know it's it's you know we talked about you talked about clapella possibly being the defensive force that he needs to be and having him as the second most important guy i mean Tucker is a huge factor for this team. He, he allows them to go small. He he can play pretty much in any lineup they need him in. He's He is such an important factor. Like, they don't sustain, they cannot sustain him missing a large amount of time. You know, he, he can shoot the ball. He's got, I mean, he just kind of does everything. He's kind of the perfect fit, doesn't demand a lot on the offensive end, brings a level of toughness that this team doesn't have, and on a team with, you yep. know, pretty much majority of them are shitty defenders except for like three or four guys, you know, like his defensive presence matters. And I think that's why I I have him even above Eric Gordon. Um, I I think
1: Tucker took on that role of the glue guy when Ariza left, just the guy that's going to harmonize, you know, the the two superpowers, if you will. And Tucker is important in the sense that he has to do, you know, the dirty work. He has to die for the loose balls. He has to Battle with the bigs. He has to hit the corner threes, a lot of them. And he has to be able to guard some of the younger, quicker guards that they'll encounter during the season. So, yes, I, he is arguably top three, top four important on that roster because if he's injured and if he's not there for a large amount of time, the Rockets, it will it'll, it'll, it'll show, you know, quicker than it would show maybe if a Gordon was injured or, you know, like
0: a Capella or something like that. His, they don't have a replacement. They yeah, just don't have anybody yeah, that can do that besides him, and and not a lot time. of teams do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you right there. I agree with you. But who, who's next? Because I have, I have Daniel House.
0: Um, really, make your make your case, man.
1: I just think that this is going to be a big year for him. I think with Coach D'Antoni putting him in the starting lineup, his job is to steady the ship. He has to be able to hit open threes. He is going to be asked to create, you know, sometimes and have court in the half court transition. He's going to be asked to rebound. He's going to be asked to defend. And he's going to be asked to defend multiple positions. So between him and Eric Gordon, you know, that starting three spot is kind of flexible. But I think he has an important role Because I was going to say Austin Rivers or Gerald Green, but, you know, Green is hurt. And Austin's role, you know, is still seen in Gordon and any other playmakers. So I just think that House brings that size that Houston lacked, you know, a lot of last season. And the stretch that he was in the lineup last year, they played their best ball of the year. And while 13 games is a pretty small sample size, I think um, you saw a lot of characteristics that they lost once he went back to the G League. And once he came back when he was coming off the bench. So I think he's his talents are much better served in the starting lineup and for that reason he's my fifth most uh
0: important. Uh, all right. Let's let's all right, so let's run through your five real quick. Okay, Harden, Harden, Capella, Capella, Gordon, Russ, Tucker, then House. Tuck then House. So, so House is six. Yeah,
1: he's six. yeah. Okay.
0: okay. All right. So, so with my, 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 my starting five, or, or not starting five, but my top, whatever number we're at, uh, you can tell it's very scientific, folks. <laughs> Harden, you got me on Capella. I'm going Russ, Tucker, Gordon. Yeah. I'm not necessarily on the Daniel House bandwagon yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. What he is, I mean, he didn't shoot it well in preseason, but that's preseason. You know, it's it's small sample size, weird games, everything that goes along with that. I kind of think, you know, the it, it, Austin Rivers is, I mean, right up there.
1: Everything after, you know, everything after five is is you know flippable.
0: Honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's... this is going to be this is where we're 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 going to be going back and forth. But I just look at it with, and let me be honest here. Austin didn't shoot it better than House either in the preseason. I mean, Austin shot it worse. But Dan, there's a Dan little... Daniel's
1: a good shooter. He's, he's, he can shoot it. He can shoot it. Shout out to yeah, uh, well, Kenny Ellis. she's training.
0: Listen, man, I can shoot it. It's question is, can you make it? But the... Well, I mean...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean he can make threes. That's what I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm busting your <laughs> balls a little
0: bit. That was just being a bit of a jerk. Uh, you know, I just think that Austin kind of brings... A nice attacking presence though. It's not just all shooting. And 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 he's not a great shooter, but he's 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 decent. It's not like terrible. But, you know, I just look at it in the sense of like I think he can he's tough. I see I love these dudes that are tough, tough as nails and kind of bring that sort of energy and that vibe to him. We know Austin isn't gonna back down from anybody. Uh sometimes he probably should, but he's not going to. You know, he shot thirty two percent from three last year, not great but still can make a few things happen can make plays off the dribble can can attack and things like that. So I look at it this way and I think Austin kind of matters. I think he's I think I got I got him above house and then even after that I think it, the 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 guy that really has a chance to to build up his importance level is Ben McLemore.
1: Yeah. You, you, like, it's crazy cuz I have I actually have him under house because uh, Green Got hurt, so I I put McLemore as next,
2: importantly.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, McLemore, I mean, shot 40% from three, or 39% from three. I mean, like, he's a guy that's always been enticing. I think we even talked about it last podcast. The, you know, just never been in an organization that was really focused with development, and this is a great place Listen, whether you could shoot it or not, man, D'Antoni tells you to let that thing fly. I, I can only imagine what that does for your confidence. They're just like, oh boy, I'm about to eat. You know, so I think that kind of stuff, I think he brings a lot of intriguing things for this team. And if he can kind of tap into just 50% of what we thought Ben McLemore was going to be coming out of college, I think that really pushes him up in the the, the importance scale. I think he even he eventually, if he gets there, could jump, you know, rivers and get and get more minutes in the lineup just for everything that he brings—intangibles and things like that—in terms of size and strength and things like that. So, I I got him as as next, and it sounds like you have him after House. So, who do you who who do you have after uh, Macklemore? We got to speed this up here Re- a little bit. I got Rivers, Rivers. Okay, yeah. we talked a lot about Austin. Mm-hmm. Who you got after Austin? I uh, have Tyson Chandler. Okay, so you got the old man. What you what 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 have you seen from him in this preseason and stuff, and and, and from what you've seen him last year? You know what what has you kind of like okay, he, he matters in the sense of they don't have any other, any other bigs after yeah. that, really. Um, you know what? He, he, what does he bring?
1: He's bringing everything Nene brought, but Nene was more of a quiet leader, whereas Tyson is going to talk all game, every game doesn't matter if he's playing or not. He sees everything. I remember um what game was this? This was their last oh, the Spurs game at halftime. I'm in the tunnel and I'm walking to the media room and I see Tyson Chandler and Tuck just talking about the first half. They were disgusted with the uh, the, the effort like on defense and they were just trying to talk through things that they saw, you know, and how to get better in the second half and i just think that tyson Chandler is going to provide that he's going to provide obviously rim protection uh he can teach capella some of the you know some of his tricks of the trade some of his offensive rebounding uh techniques he's still athletic enough to finish lobs and he's that big of a presence where sometimes if you're a guard you might you know think twice about going up against him or or something like that but i just think I, was that like eight or nine on the roster? Was that nine, ten? I think at that yeah, uh, yeah at that point yeah. it's end of the roster stuff. But he still has a role to play as you know the guys after him.
0: Yeah. So the way I look at it with him is we are the I, I, I saw him up close last year with the Lakers. Everybody got super excited when the Lakers got him, and he had a good run to start out. And then man, he 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 fell off a cliff. Like, he was just bad. So, I don't really... He matters in the sense of he provides backup stuff, but if he ends up playing major minutes for the team, then I think we got to... Uh, uh, there there are some serious problems going on with the Rockets in that situation. Um, so, we're running short on time. I just want to talk about one other guy, and then I want to get into our next topic. The the guy that is another interesting name on there is Tabo Cephalosha shot it well in preseason. He's always kind of been a three and D guy kind of just fits what the Rockets bring. It's my, my, my big concern is, you know, he ain't young either. (laughs) He's (laughs) kind of, he's kind of getting a little up there in age as well. You know, what, what have you seen from him and where does he rank kind of in their Uh, importance level? So there was an Eastern conference scout that
1: was in the room um, during the last game and, and, and we at the table asked him, me, my, me, Ali, and some other guys. We were just talking to him. And we asked him for his take on the double Cephalosha as a Rocket. And he said, "Damn, yeah, he's old. So I think he does bring what the Rockets need at the end of the bench in terms of 3 and D. They want specialists. They want guys that can you know defend multiple positions that are savvy enough. To adapt and can hit the three, and I think he can do all that. I just don't know why he wears Air Maxes. I, I I asked him in the locker room. I was like, bro, how do you hoop in those? And he told me he was like, man, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's not for the faint of heart.
2: <laughs> everybody can't. Everybody can't
1: do it. And and I, I give him a salute. so I, honestly, I might push him to number one on the on the, the list because of those Air Maxes, because he has a handicap. So I might need to, uh, might need to change my, 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 my list a little bit. But, yeah, I just think he he can be not what Luke Mbamute was because Luke was, you know, kind of more agile. But I think is right. still that savvy vet who looks like he should have been on this roster a couple of years ago, but he still has some juice left in the tank where he can, you know, help eight, ten minutes. You know, just a little too crazy, but just... As the yeah, season his, goes along, yeah, he, he, people are going to need some some rest and stuff like this weekend.
0: He, he becomes a lot more important with the Gerald Green injury, more more than anybody else, I think. I think now he has to expect to get a lot more minutes than he was expecting and all of those things. And the other thing I really like about him, good locker room presence. Yeah. Everything I've heard about him, I've, it just sounds great. great and And for anybody that's wondering, you know, Kelly dropping us, the information about his shoes. This is the hard-hitting journalism you're going to get from this podcast.
1: Don't call me me Biggie V for nothing.
0: Oh, man. you got to go back to our first episode to to, to get that reference. Uh, I do want to get into this. This popped off last week, uh, the the debate of the mid-range versus the three. Ben Falk wrote an article about it obviously talking about the Rockets. We know how the Rockets feel and where they stand on this debate. Where do you stand on this, Kelly?
1: Um, This is a very complex situation, so it's best to attack it from both sides.
0: I mean, what, are you a politician now? What just happened? You running for president? Hey, I could. Eco for 2020? Hey, talk about it. I got awesome. a few parking you, you tickets. You need those on, on, on a T-shirt. And the mugs. That's fine, but I got I got I got a few parking tickets I need you to take care of if you get that no, job. No, you got that. That's on you, Big man. That's on you. <laughs> Damn, like that. <laughs> wow. But uh, okay.
1: but I you know, I think if the shot is there, take it. I know Mike D'Antoni, he, he would cringe whenever Carmelo, you know, <laughs> the, the 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 fadeaway mid-range uh looks, but I don't know. I just, I don't know why this debate has trickled down to the kids. Like if you go watch like LA fitness runs, 24 hour fitness runs, the young people are shooting threes. Like they're not even taking the mid range anymore. This is crazy. Well, that's It's just threes. That,
0: that's the Steph effect. That's, you know, having watched Steph and now Trey Young and all those, like, I don't agree that's,
1: with it. I don't, I don't. I might be no like I'm, kind of I'm old with school. you. Well, I'm not old school, but I'm mid school because I, I I I grew up watching you know Rip Hamilton, you know Chris Paul, people that Tony Parker, people that you know specialized in those shots and who made a living off of those shots. And I think if they're open, take it. I don't I don't I don't see the logic of you shooting thirty one percent on threes, right? And you. Let's say you're forty forty-two on mid-range and you keep taking the open three. I don't think you should do that. Like I remember uh who was it? I think it was Rachel Nichols. She said two is better than zero. It is. Right. So right. And take the open take the open shot.
0: The way I look at it is listen, I'd rather an open three over an open two. That's just the way I am. But that's not the way the game's played now. That's not how defensive scheme. I've I've run afoul of a few analytics folks before yeah. because I look at it this way and I look at it more from a coaching perspective. I want an open look. And if that means I'm going to get an, I got to take an open mid range shot, which defenses are giving the teams now instead of a contested three. Like I want that shot. Now I may not gear my offense towards that. I might not build my entire offense to get the mid range shot. Because you still need a number of threes. You still need to take a lot of threes to get those. You know, it helps with wins and everything like that. But like you said, man, you got to take the open look. You got to take what the defense is in there. And my philosophy is like, if I'm taking what the defense is giving me and I'm hurting them, they got to come out of their defense. And then that opens everything up. That opens up layups. That opens up threes. That forces them to adjust. And the problem is, like, like, I hate the rocket system of threes and, and, and layups and free throws, and that's it. Because I think you're missing such you, – you can't ignore such a large portion of the court the way they do. And, you know, the, the Ben Falk article had a great comment in there, and it, and he was saying, this is Ben Falk from Cleaning the Glass. You know, I highly go recommend it. I know it's not the athletic, but, you know, it's you, you can read one article that's not the athletic. That's fine. <laughs> um, the You know, he, he, he started saying, like, you know, the Rockets – Love that this is a debate because for them, it's not a debate. They want to shoot threes. They, I think the average somewhere around like 50, 55 threes this preseason. The concept, though, is like that's great in the regular season. And they've had a ton of regular season success the past six years. They've not really had playoff success with this system because that's when it gets different. When teams start taking things away from you and you don't have the ability to adjust, You're fucked. And that's what's happened to them in the playoffs time and time again. You can make the argument that if CP doesn't get hurt, they go to the finals. That's fine. That's one year. But San Antonio Spurs upset them. The Spurs shouldn't have won that series. But the fact of the matter is they basically just said, we're not defending the mid-range. And the Rockets were like happily not taking it. So they either defended them at the three-point line or they met them at the rim. And they they did a good enough job that they were able to beat the Rockets. It's a philosophy that I just think like you don't have to live in the mid range, but you can't look at it as this is a problem. We can't look at it as like oh we're we're taking too many shots in the mid range. If they're open, I want you to take them. I don't want you taking contested mid range shots. I'm fucking gonna go nuts when Russ does it. But <laughs> you can't. You you gotta find a way to get those shots. And that was something I thought they I was expecting them to use Chris Paul. To help them in that mid-range area. And to be honest, they changed Chris more than Chris changed them. And it hurt them. And I think that's a problem in that debate. And I know the numbers. I know the math and everything like that. I don't think we're really weighing it the same though. I'm weighing it as an open mid-range shot versus a contested three. Because, again, I would take an open three, but I don't know if I want a contested three. And some of these guys shooting the contested threes, I'm not very confident. in. And that's kind of like my stance on the mid-range.
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant take,
0: Mo. I, all my takes are brilliant. Whether nah. you agree with them or not, it's a different story, Kelly.
1: Hey, but um, Sasha, what do you think about it? Because this is, this is a real big debate.
2: What you said, Mo, reminds me of what happened to Kyle Kuzma last season. That there was terrible spacing, and he was taking a bunch of like, I mean, he was also missing open threes, but he was like missing so many contested threes. And I just feel like his three point went down. And I would have way rather of him have a different shot and him not be there. But anyway, right. I, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm like somewhere in the middle. I I'm coming from more of like a game enjoyment type of perspective okay. and I'm not sure that like I don't know about you guys but I've been watching a lot of like top 10 plays of their career highlights recently
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and like no shots but dames was all threes and it was like cool like from for me I want to watch some people like hammer down in the basket and like bang around and bump around and, and cross people up and stuff like that rather than like just jacking up threes you, you should be corner. checking some
0: alan iverson action there <laughs> sasha go down that rabbit <laughs> i'll one.
2: hit it
1: she's, she's talking about
0: lebron
2: i'll hit it next <laughs>
0: yeah. well she's a laker fan so now we're getting ready for all the laker uh I, we're gonna get a lot Shacks, more laker stuff crazy. i'm not shocked that she she went to the kyle kuzma part of the debate <laughs>
2: oh man <laughs> i've been watching these folks jack up threes and miss them forever i'm just excited to watch people make them
0: and you know, oh on the flip God. side too, on the flip side of living in the mid range too much, Jason Tatum lived in the mid range too much last season, right? Like his efficiency went down, and all of that. Like he he he's probably an example of like, yo, dude, you need a, you need to tap that down a bit. Like you're going a bit too far into the mid range, but you know, it's it's a balance all around. And this is kind of my argument when people say James is. D'Antoni yeah, said it, or I think Maury said it, like called him the best offensive player ever. Yeah. You you can't be the best offensive player ever if you ignore about a third of the court. And that's what he does in the mid-range. I, I don't know the last time I've seen him pull up for a mid-range shot. Not a floater, a mid-range elbow jumper. Like, I don't know the last time. Every time he's gotten to the elbow, he starts doing his step back and kind of a travel sometimes. Okay, so um, you're
2: taking it from a, like, range oh. perspective rather than a points perspective because, like, ultimately points-wise... He might be just in terms like of how many points he can get you. That's yeah, like no, a, no. one definition of offense right there is just like straight up points.
0: Yeah, if we just go just points. Yes, he statistically, this is this is the thing. You know, he is he, he would be the best offensive player because of that. But for me, you got to be able to do everything on the court for me to say you're the best offensive player ever. You got there, there's got to be no holes in your game. You got to be the dude that literally can just stop on a dime, pull up, and drill a jumper, and he can do that. But he doesn't do that in the mid range. And again, you can't ignore. For me, this is my my opinion. You can't ignore that much of the court, and and be considered the best offensive player ever.
1: Hmm. That's a that's a good way to put it.
0: A to put brilliant, it. brilliant way to put it, Kelly. I think we've established already. My <laughs> takes are all brilliant. <laughs> all right (laughs) well listen we're we're coming up season starting uh we're gonna we're gonna get into the rockets bucks in our next podcast guys so you know don't don't fret that we didn't really kind of do a full preview of the first game there's gonna be a ton of exciting games throughout this year and listen guys we got kelly eco the beat writer for the athletic he's gonna give us the what's going on on the ground floor, telling us who's wearing what shoes and why that makes them the most important rocket. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We got Sasha Shaw. She's definitely giving us some great producing. She's going to chime in with some good points here and there. And you might have to ignore a little bit of the Laker love. I'm coming to you a little bit from the X's and O's guys. Thank you so much for listening to Brody and the beard.